0: Good morning. Most of you are awake. That's a good thing. Well, it's good to be with you again this morning. Let's just start with a word of prayer. Father in heaven, we come before you. Lord, thank you for this day. Lord, thank you for the beauty of the snow. And maybe in some ways we're uh, ready to see spring, but yet it is refreshing again just to see a white uh, blanket on the ground. And Lord, we're reminded of... of. Um, The work that you can do in our hearts to have them clean and pure like the snow that we see this morning. Bless our time together. I pray that we could be encouraged and that we could learn from your word. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. When I was 19, I went into uh, voluntary service in Pennsylvania. How many of you are familiar with Penn Valley Retreat? A couple of you. And so Penn Valley Retreat, they do... Uh, they have seminars and stuff, and uh, for different groups, uh, they have youth seminars, marriage seminars, just different things like that. So, I went there to serve for a year, and uh, there was a a, uh, a guy that I had went to service or had had been in Bible school with. Uh, his name was Lowell, and uh, he went just several months before I got there, and so we we were together for a year. We had our own house. Well, we lived in the upstairs or the downstairs. And Well, I guess we had both floors, but our administrator lived, it was like a duplex, basically. We lived in half, they lived in the other half. So, uh, But him and I, we did, we did life together for a year, and I, I learned to know him really well. Um, you know, I learned, I knew what he owned. I knew we hunted together and stuff, so I knew which, you know, I knew what for equipment he had. I knew what vehicle he drove. I knew what for, um, I knew some of his um, his goals and life aspirations. We we talked about a lot of things because we lived together. Uh, we worked together. We hunted together. We did dishes together at the retreat center. We set up chairs and tables together, and, and we we shared the same jokes and and we sat around with the staff and and we just we learned to know each other actually really well. Well, he he left a little bit before I did. Got married. Uh, that was another thing we were both dating at the time, and so it, you know, we had some interesting conversations there about our relationships, it and was, it was a good thing. I really enjoyed being with him. Well, he left and got married and, um, that fall, and I also left uh, Penn Valley and got married. So we got married, well, probably a month or two apart, and he was from Kokomo, and so we're, you know, we're not that far apart, and so occasionally we would get together as couples, Uh, Young married couples, both didn't have children. We'd get together for the weekend, and we'd go for supper and hang out and do stuff. Or we'd get together, and the ladies would go shopping, and we'd go hunting, you know, or do something like that. And so we kind of kept up on our relationship for quite some time. Well, what happened is we started having children, and we got together less and less, and um, our paths kind of started separating a little bit. Well, about, I don't know, it's probably been eight to ten years ago, Lowell took his family and moved to Bonner's Ferry, Idaho. Uh, It's a little bit of a haul. If you Google Bonner's Ferry, Idaho and put it in your, I just did it the other day, it says travel time is one day, four hours. That's literally what it says. It's a long haul to Bonner's Ferry. And so I have just kind of lost contact with him. I mean, we you know, I'll see him post something on Facebook, but that doesn't really count as far as knowing him, right? Um, but I, I kind of, our, our worlds are so far apart that I don't really know who he is today. I know what he does for an occupation. I don't really know what that looks like. He's a mail carrier. What does that mean? I don't know. I, I, I know he delivers mail, but how would that look? I, I could walk up to his front door of his house And I wouldn't have known who lived there because I'd never been to his place. I could have passed him on the road. We could have passed in vehicles. I probably wouldn't have looked twice at him because I don't know what for vehicle he drives. I don't know his children. I could have probably recognized them and said, well, I wonder if, you know, that's maybe one of Lowell's children. But I didn't know them. I didn't know their names. And uh, this past summer, we were on a Western trip, and we made a point to put Bonner's Ferry in our western trip, and it's, you don't really go past Bonner's Ferry, you kind of have to drive up there, it's out of the way. Um, We started looking at how far we have, and we were like, well, we can't go to the Grand Canyon and Bonner's Ferry, not in three weeks, it's too far apart. So anyhow, we went and visited Lowell, and we we just had a good time, we spent a lot of time uh, laughing together, talking about our time of service together, and catching up, I rode with him in his Jeep one day. We delivered mail and we just, we had three hours of mail delivery and lots of talking and, and it was just, it was good to connect again. And we spent time with their, their family there and uh, that was in July. And when I was studying for this uh, message, I was, you know, I just had to wonder, okay, how much have I interacted with him? And so I pulled out my phone, I checked my WhatsApp, I messaged him in September and December And here it is, February. So again, our worlds are separating because of lack of contact. If I was to change that, in your perspective, what would I need to do? If I would say, I really want to know him, I really want to know who he is and what's going on, what are some things that would have to happen? Give me some suggestions. There's no right and wrong answers here. I would have to take the time to do it, being more specific. Okay, so I would have to take, make time to intentionally message him, talk to him. Yeah, what else? Okay, so you're saying voice messages might be better to hear, hear him talk and say something rather than just texting a little bit, more than once a month. What else? whoa (laughs) that's commitment but that would change our relationship wouldn't it because if we'd be in the same community we would start doing some of that interaction right we would see each other more frequently yeah good what else What does it take to have relationship? You have to be intentional, because intentional. we don't know how to sum it up. We just say intentional, right? Because there's just a lot of different parts of relationships. It takes it takes time. It takes effort. Uh, you must communicate. Um, maybe some of it is uh, asking questions. Is interesting. Well, I I texted him this week just uh, just because he was going through my mind to send him a message. How I enjoyed being there with him this summer. And wouldn't you know, like a day later, he he texted me back and had some questions. They were church stuff. He was wanting to know. Yeah, he just had some questions for me. So we have begun to interact a little bit more, probably uh, just because we were together last summer. If it wouldn't have been for that, um, he probably wouldn't have uh, texted me and asked me those questions. So it takes a lot of communication Consistent communication, right? He said more than uh, once every couple months. Uh, another thing is, you know what would really help that relationship? is If it was a mutual desire. If both, if, if both of us would say, you know what? We're really missing out on each other's lives. Let's just, let's try to communicate more. Wouldn't that change things? So now it's not just me texting him all the time, but maybe every now and then he would message me or call me and we'd have a conversation. So it, it, it helps when there's a mutual desire. Um, even prior, prioritizing our lives to include each other. Maybe I don't move to uh, Bonner's Ferry, but maybe we do some trips together or we meet somewhere. Or uh, maybe when Penn Valley has a reunion, I could actually tell him to come, you know, get him to come to the reunion. That's often what happens. We go and they don't because it's probably two and a half days trip or one and a half days trip for, to go to Pennsylvania. And so we could do some things like that to intentionally spend time together. That would help our relationship. It would uh, help us connect. It would help us to know each other better. Um, this weekend, the theme, and I didn't clarify this last night maybe, but the theme is, Where is God? And last night we talked about that. Where is God just in our lives? Where is God in the the good parts of life and the bad parts? The tough times, right? And so what can I see God in those times? And this morning I want to talk about where is God in my personal life? If God is the God that he... Says he is, and we believe he is. We believe that he wants a relationship with me. He wants a relationship with you. If God is that kind of God, why does he feel so distant at times? Why does it feel a little bit like my relationship with Lowell, where it maybe every three months, oh, I hear from him a little bit. Why does God feel so distant? Can you identify with that? Are there ever times in your lives that you feel like God is just distant? He's quiet. Where is God in our personal life? We're going to look at two men this morning in the Bible that had had good relationships with God. And we want to learn a little bit from them. And then hopefully look at two spiritual disciplines that we can implement in our lives to help us relate to God think of all the men in the Bible I'm just curious who you'll come up with two men that you think had good relationships with God Job David boom who else Daniel Jesus absolutely not a man Son of man, living in the flesh, right? Good. You got the two I was going to look at this morning. Um, David. Why do you say David? What is often, um, what is the, um, how is David described in the Bible? What is he known as? Man after God's own heart. That's right. And why was he considered a man after God's own heart? Maybe we need to look at that. You know, I would love for after I pass away, somebody said, yeah, Kendall, the man that knew God. Wouldn't that be an honor? David, the man after God's own heart. What was it that made people look at David and say, that man had a man after God's own heart? You know, there are different things that, that uh, we can read in Scripture that allude to that very fact, or that's where we get this idea that David was a man after God's own heart. And I'm just going to read uh, three Scriptures quickly that uh, talk about David and refer to that or maybe give us a picture of why he's called that. The first one is in Acts chapter 13, verse 22, and it says, And when he had removed him, referring to Saul the king. It said, when he had removed him, he raised up unto them David to be their king, whom also he gave testimony and said, I have found David, the son of Jesse, a man after my own heart. And then here it gives us a little clue, which shall fulfill my will. I think the first thing that I see in this scripture is that God chose David or he He had relationship with him. The reason their relationship uh, was considered a close relationship is because, according to this scripture, David was a person who would do what God wanted him to do. He was going to be full faithful in filling out what God wanted him to do. And that's what this scripture is saying. Another scripture is Psalm 42, verses 1 and 2 and I read this last night, when we were, right at the end, when we were looking at um, how we can respond to God about uh, tough things in our lives. Psalm 42, verse 1 and 2, and says, As the heart panteth after the water brooks, so panteth my soul after thee, O God. My soul thirsteth for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? I think this shows David's love for God. David had a desire to have a relationship with God. It wasn't, okay, we, we know that God has a desire for a relationship with us. God wants us to have a relationship. He wants to have a relationship with us. He, he will fulfill his side of that, okay? He's going to be faithful in his pursuit of us. But here, David is is re- also reflecting his desire to have a relationship with God. So somebody mentioned in our uh, scenario, scenario of, of my friend Lowell and I or maybe I I pointed out I guess it if it if it's a mutual desire, if if both sides want relationship, it can flourish and it can grow. And that's what David is is showing here. He's showing a passion to know God. He wants to know God. The third one is and I'm not going to read this scripture, it's a little bit longer, but it's referred to in 1 Samuel 24. And if you remember, David is fleeing Saul. Saul is trying to kill David. And David and his men are hiding in a cave. And Saul comes in and is resting. And he's asleep. And do you remember what happens? What do David's men say? I can imagine them in the back corner of, their cave, of the cave, right? And they're talking real quiet they're saying, David, he's right up front here. He's sleeping. Give us the word and we'll go kill him. This is the man that's trying to kill them. And I'm guessing Saul's protection, probably his armor bearer and the other people that are with him, they're probably standing at the front of the cave, protecting the cave for the king, right? What they don't know is in the back of the cave, there are the people that they're searching for. What is David's response to his men? Go for it. He's the Lord's anointed. He tells him, no. We can't do that. Now, in, all, in my human mind, it, makes, it would make sense, right? <laughs> wow, God. You delivered him into our hands. This is amazing. But that's not what he does. And his men around him were encouraging him to do that. David is a leader who leads people. He doesn't follow them he chooses the right thing to do over what the other people around him are calling him to do, asking him to do, inviting him to do. David is a leader. He follows through on what he knows God wants him to do. I want to look at different, some different characteristics of David and uh it will help if you look up these scriptures. There's just uh one verses or one verse one verse at a time and read them and then we'll just Uh, make a comment about what that scripture tells us. So I'll give out these scriptures, and if you uh, just raise your hand or repeat the scripture, actually, and then look it up and be ready to read it when I call for it. First one is Psalm 27.1. Okay, 27.1. Next one is Psalm 18.1. Back there, uh, Benson. The next one is Psalm four verse seven. Psalm 4.7. Psalm 9.1. Chapter nine or Psalm nine verse one. Psalm twenty five eleven. Okay? Psalm one nineteen thirty-four. One of the ladies. Psalm one nineteen thirty-four. Thank you, Amy. Okay, if you would read Psalm twenty-seven one nice and clear for us. Okay, what for picture does that give us of David? He's not scared, but, but why not? He's trusting in God, right? So he has, he has a trust in God. It's not a, I'm David with my mighty, no. He's trusting in God. Okay, the next one, um, Psalm 18.1. Okay, what picture does this give us of David? He finds his strength in the Lord. What else? He loves the Lord. He loves the Lord. He's, he's in pursuit of a relationship with God, right? If we love the Lord, we're going to be in pursuit of a relationship. We want to know more about Him. If you're dating and you love the person you're dating, what are you going to do? You want to be with them, for one, right? You want to know them. You want to spend time together anytime you can. You're spending time together, messaging. or It's, it's a relationship that you're trying to work on. And that's what David is referring to here. I, I love you, Lord. And that means relationship. Okay, the next one is Psalm 4, verse 7. What do we see in David's character here? He understands that the joy of the Lord surpasses all else. He has a heart that's joyful and glad. Um, he's, he's the one who's, who's looking through the tough times and, and trying to figure out, okay, what's God trying to teach me? And, and like it said in chapter, in, verse, in Psalm 42 that we read last night, He chooses to be joyful and to worship, even through the tough times. Good. Psalm 9, verse 1. Okay. What for character do we see in David here? What is evident? What's he doing? Anyone can respond. It doesn't have to be the one who read the verse. Choosing to praise again, yeah good psalm twenty five eleven okay, what do we see what is what is being shown of David's heart here repentance right he's sorry for the sin that he that he um, made that he committed psalm one nineteen thirty four Okay. What do we see here? Commitment. Commitment. He's committing. What else? He wants, he wants to learn. Read it. Read it one more time. Indeed, I shall observe it with my own heart. So... I would like to know, what, you're know what, what, what you want me to do, God. Give, give me your law. Give me understanding. And then, what's he going to do with it? He's committing what? Obedience, right? I'm going to do it. God, I want to hear from you, and I'm also willing to do it. Now, that's commitment because he doesn't know what he's committing to, right? But he's, he's already choosing before he even knows. He's saying, I'm going to follow it, God. You, you give me the answer, I'm going to follow it. That takes commitment. That's who David was. Another interesting thing. So, so we see a picture here of who David is and his desire for relationship with God. And it's, it's interesting how in the Psalms, in his writings, how he depicts his pursuit of God. I have three more scriptures here. Psalm 62.1. Can somebody read that? Raise your hand or holler it out. 62.1. Okay. And then Psalm 63, 1. Kyle? Psalm 5, 1 to 3. Thank you. Okay, 62, 1. Okay, he's talking here about waiting on God. I sense an a openness, a desire for a relationship, and he's saying, I'm, I'm committed to this, and God, I'm, I'm waiting to hear from you. You know, sometimes God responds differently than I would like for him to, to do. You know, I'm facing something right now personally in my life that is um, a little disconcerting for me. Um, and it, it's not, it, it's a business thing, okay? So I have a lawn care business, and um, my employee came several weeks ago, and so we had nice sunshine and spring-like weather this week, and it normally gets me excited for spring. Well, my main employee came about two weeks ago and said, I've been asked to go to Bald Eagle, and I want him to go. But it, I, I love seeing the snow right now because I'm not ready for spring because I don't have help. And so I've been praying about this, and you know, I would love if God would just, you know, let's pray about it. I would love for you to give me this answer now so I know how to move on, so I can be uh, at peace (laughs) with seeing spring come. But that's not how God works. And I I sense in David's heart a connection, wanting to hear from God, but saying, God, I'm I'm just going to wait on you. I'm patient. I'm going to be patient. But I'm here. Lord, when you choose to speak, I'm going to hear from you is a patient character Psalm 63 verse 1 mm-hmm. What version is that Okay I think in the King James it says early I will seek thee instead of um earnestly or but this gives a, so if I read it in the King James, it's, it may sound like, oh, early in the morning. But when I when I read it, when I look at it in that, um, uh, that translation, or when I look at actually what the verse is saying, I, I think it's referring more to, when I'm in a tough spot, I'm going to come to you quickly. You know, I tend to wait until things are you know, I try to, okay, I can figure this out, you know, we, you know, I make a bunch of calls, maybe trying to figure out who could help me this summer, and finally there's, okay, I can't figure anything out, now I need to pray earnestly, right? And David's saying, that's not, I choose not to do that, I'm going to come to you first, God, so when I face something, my first response is, I just need to pray about this, God, give me direction, and so it's going to him quickly, rather than waiting till till the end, and then going to him. Okay, Psalm five verses one and three. One three 1 2 3. sorry. Give ear to my words, O Lord, consider my meditation. Hearken unto the voice of my cry, my king, and my God, for unto thee will I pray. My voice shalt thou hear in the morning, O Lord. In the morning will I direct my prayer unto thee, and I will look up. hmm So the last verse we read was more a I will come to you quickly, but I see this one uh saying, I'm gonna come to you in the morning. David is choosing to begin his day with the Lord. He's, he's taking time, giving God the, the first part of his day to help uh, bring his, his mind and, and probably his spirit in a good place in, in his relationship with the Lord. By connecting with him, it sets the tone for his day. And I don't know that I can say that in the morning is the time that you have to have your devotions, but I, I think we do well to pay attention to that. Does starting my day in a in, in a good relationship with the Lord, does that affect the rest of my day? I think it should. I think it should set a tone for the rest of our day. So that gives us a little bit of a picture of how David um, sought the Lord, how he how he went about having relationship with God. You know, David is not always perfect in Scripture. He's not He doesn't live a sin free life, but he's very repentant. He acknowledges his sin and he repents of it. David doesn't always know the why of what God is asking him, but he's willing to obey it. And he said that. He says, Lord, I'm willing to obey what you tell me to do. David is not always liked by the people around him, but yet, He seems to be a humble person, um, wanting to reflect praise back to God that he could have taken as a king. David does not always have an easy road. He faced some really tough things. But he chooses to be joyful in the middle of it. David is not always connected with God, I don't think. I don't think he always has that, that... spiritual high feeling of, oh, just so good to have connection with God. I don't think he always felt that in his life, but if you read through the Psalms, he's constantly trying to figure out how he can know God better. God, he's always crying out, God, I would love to hear from you. I would like to know you. I, I, I choose to praise you. And so he's constantly on his side. He's always choosing to pursue the Lord. He's always wanting more relationship. He's always working on that. It's always his desire. Psalm 61, he starts out, Hear my cry, O God. God, I'd like to know you. I want to hear from you. Would you be considered a man after God's own heart? Is that the life that you're living? Are you constantly in pursuit, always trying to find God? God, where are you at? Are you speaking to me? The second person I like to look at is, was mentioned this morning is Abraham. What is the phrase that we hear about Abraham? How is he referred to in the Bible? The friend of God. Wouldn't that be something to have on your tombstone? Jesse, a friend of God. Kendall, whatever it is. A friend of God. What makes... Abraham, a friend of God. Why is he referred to that? Referred to like that? Again, I'm going to just read several verses. Genesis 18, verse 19. And so to give you just a little picture here, this is when the angels came, and they're getting ready to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah. And they come to Abraham's tent, and they're, they're getting ready to leave. And as they leave, um, we get a little picture into God's mind. And God is questioning it's 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 just you should read the scripture but and i'm just going to read it says in psalm in genesis 18 verse 19 for i know him this is god referring to abraham for i know him that he will command his children and his household after him and they shall keep the way of the lord to do justice and judgment that the lord may bring upon abraham that which he has spoken of him and so this is these are kind of god's thoughts saying for i know him I know that I can trust him. God knew who he was. There was obviously a relationship there with him, that God had confidence that Abraham uh, would teach his family that he was a trustworthy person, that he could let Abraham know what was going to happen with the destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah. Second Chronicles chapter 20, verse 7. Art not thou our God who didst drive out the inhabitants of this land before thy people Israel, and gavest it to the seed of Abraham, thy friend, forever? This is a prayer that the king is is praying, and he's just in his prayer he refers to Abraham, and he just kind of like it just like you would use a last name. Um, it's not just referred to as Walter, but it's like Walter Gingrich, and that's a little bit what the Lord is doing here, and when he says. Abra or or what this king is doing, he refers to Abraham, and then he says, the friend of God. And so it seems like however Abraham lived his life, it was evident to the people around him that he was a friend of God. James chapter 2, verse 23, it says, and the scripture was fulfilled which said, Abraham believed God, and it was imputed unto him for righteousness, and he was called the friend of God. And so in the New Testament, we see that reflected also that he was referred to as the friend of God. So why was Abraham God's friend? Was he perfect? You know, sometimes we look at these these Old Testament characters, we read down through the faith chapter, and we think, oh, (laughs) there's no way I can live up to that, right? But if you look at those men's lives, they weren't perfect. You know, Abraham, and I just briefly went through his life story, I'm just going to Hit a couple highlights here. Do you remember when they got to Egypt? What happened? Abraham's worried about his wife. He thought she was a beautiful woman. She must have been a beautiful woman. And when they got to e- Egypt, Abraham said, You know what? This is going to be trouble for me. If I tell them this is my wife, they're going to kill me. And so he, he lies about his wife. And you remember what happened? Sure enough, Pharaoh took Abraham's wife from him and I guess Abraham was okay with that because it doesn't seem like he did a whole lot about it and pretty soon plagues start happening and Pharaoh starts realizing that hey something isn't right here and eventually Pharaoh sits down with Abraham and in our words he he chews him out he tells him he said Abraham why did you do this I mean what would have happened if I would have actually taken her as my wife and so Ab- Abraham made that mistake he lied about his wife uh, Abraham doubted when God promised him a son. In fact, it's, it said he laughed. Um, I, I'm not sure what all that means, but it seems like Abraham is, there's no way. He, so he doubted what, what God was promising to them in, in Genesis chapter 17. He also, he was, um, he got tired of waiting on God. He became impatient in waiting for his promised son that God had promised, right? And eventually, what does he do? He takes Hagar, his, his wife's um, handmaid. He takes her and, um, for his wife and has a child with her. And so he becomes impatient. He, he can't wait on the Lord. He's not willing to wait until God plays, makes everything play out. And then, when he meets Abimelech, what does he do? Still got the same wife, Sarah. So when he meets this man, what does he do? He lies about her again. You would think after the first time he would learn, but he doesn't. He does the exact same thing. He comes in and he he makes up a story and says, you know, just alludes to the fact that this is is not his wife. And what happens? Abimelech takes her, and eventually uh, he has a dream, and it's it's related, it's it's the dream is interpreted and he figures out that this is not Abraham's, uh, this is Abraham's wife. And so he goes back to Abraham and he, he chews him out again, right? Round two, you would think Abraham would learn. What I'm saying is Abraham is not a perfect man. He's made mistakes, but why is he referred to as a friend of God? What is it about him That people in this in Scripture would refer to him as the friend of God. There's a verse in 1 Samuel chapter 15, and this is after um, Saul made some mistakes, and I'm not even going to go into that story, but um, I'll just quickly, Saul was elected by God and, and he liked to be seen for what he did. So he was, he was trying to receive glory to himself and he did, he did things that he thought, he did what, what he thought was best in his own mind, okay? And if you remember, he made a sacrifice and God was not happy and so he sent Samuel to rebuke him. And Samuel in his rebuke says, I would rather have you obey me than worship me. That's in my own words. You know, God rejected Saul because of his disobedience. But in the same way, I think God accepted Abraham because of his obedience. How he was committed to sacrifice his son. How he was called to leave his homeland. And he did it. It was a continued life of obedience. And when he made mistakes, he made them right. He went back and acknowledged them. You know, it's going to be impossible to connect with God and have relationship with Him if I'm not allowing Him to be Lord of my life. If I'm not allowing Him and His Holy Spirit to not only change who I am, but also control who I am and where I'm going. When I think of David and Saul, I think of Saul as he's one who chooses obedience. He allows God to change who he is. As I think of David, I see a man in pursuit of God constantly. Everything he does in life, he's he's trying to learn to know the Lord better. Do I allow God's Holy Spirit to change who I am? Do I allow him to control me? Or am I like Saul sometimes? I make some what I think is wise decisions in my own eyes instead of allowing him to control me. Well, where is God in my personal life? Maybe you ask that sometimes. I would like to look at two specific things that I think we can do to um, grow our relationship with the Lord. How do you even develop a relationship with God? What is relationship? Maybe we need to start there. A definition of relationship is the way in which two things are connected. The relationship to each other, we often say. Relationship is a connection, an association. It's involvement. What does it mean to have a relationship with our Heavenly Father? I think one way we can do it is by having what we we call it devotions. What is devotions? What does that consist of? Is there just a, a certain thing? Do we go to Scripture and say, well, this is devotions, If I do 15 minutes of this and we don't have that direction, right? So what is what are devotions? Devotion is communication with God. And I think it's listening to God. It's learning to know who He is is part of it. So if we're communicating with God, how do we hear from God? You know, I can say I want to know uh, God's will. And I, th- and I think we can learn to know God's will and, and communicate with him through reading scripture. I think a consistent, consistently reading scripture. Um, choosing to spend time in God's word. And I, I encourage you, don't run away from God's word and try to do something else to find relationship with him. And I want to clarify that. I, I think there's a push right now, and we're being faced with this, is that just reading scripture is not connecting with God. And I agree, if all we're doing is punching the clock, so 15 minutes, I have to have my devotions with God, so now I'm going to read for 15 minutes, and okay, now I'm done. I agree, that's not having devotions. But there's a push to say that, well, scripture doesn't fulfill that, and so we need to do something else. You need to go out in a quiet place when the when it's nice and warm and the birds are chirping and you find yourself in this perfect setting and you you have your journal and a cup of coffee and a cookie and you take a picture of it and put it on Instagram and and now I'm having devotions right now is that wrong absolutely not I think I think there are times in our lives where we can we can take take away a specific time to go. And spend time with God. Maybe it's, it's healthy to do it in different ways even. So maybe we consistently have our scripture reading throughout the week. And on Sundays or Saturdays where we don't have to go to work early. We, we change it up a little bit. I think that's healthy. But never buy into the belief that reading scripture doesn't cut it. Because I think it's a, it's a direct... Our, our direct connection to God. It's, it's how we know who he is. It's, it's how we understand his being, how we understand what, what makes him um, tick. It's, it's so that we understand his character and can know what he wants. Never underestimate the reading of Scripture. We should not on, only know about him, but we also need to know him. We need to know who he is. We need to know his heart, his character, how he loves. We need to recognize his voice. Yeah. We need to recognize his voice that we can clearly say, oh, that's God. Eh, not sure about that. I'm going to have to think about what I'm, this voice I'm hearing. It doesn't quite line up with what I see in Scripture. We need to be able to feel his presence at, time, at times. Just a sense of, oh, God is faithful. Sense his peace. We need to understand his will. You see, when I value God, I will pursue him. How do I do that? Listing three ways here. One is solitude. Am I backing up on my previous description of devotions? I don't think so. When I refer to solitude, I'm saying take exclusive time for God. And I would just caution us, um, while I think it's good on the way to work to listen to Scripture on your audio Bible, I think that's a good way to pass time. Am I giving God undivided attention? You know, and meanwhile the Scripture's going on, right? Um, when I talk to a friend and I really want to have a good conversation, I like their undivided attention. I like when they're, when they're listening to me and I can listen to them and they're not, you know, squirrel looking at everything else that's going on. And I think God likes our undivided attention. He likes when we, are, when we spend time with him in solitude. When we meditate, number two, meditate. First one, solitude. Second one, med- second one, meditate. Think about him. Enjoy the process of communication. It shouldn't be a drudgery, but we should enjoy communicating with him. Number three, examine ourselves. Ask God to show you where you can grow. God, what, what do you want me to change? This is devotions. This is spending time with him. It's learning to know him. God, what do you want me to change? What what do you want me to hear? What do you have for me this morning? You know, I think God does feel close and personal when we know him because there's a relationship there. There's a connection. Spending time with God does not always result in this spiritual high, like I said. It's It's not always just this excitement and and uh, inside of us there's just something uh, Whoo, oh that felt really good. I really connected with God there are those times that we experience but don't base your relationship on emotions our emotions are really finicky they go up and down a lot and some of us more than others some of us are maybe too even keel where we don't sense the highs that we should when God is speaking to us okay Others of us are high one day and low the next day. Oh, God is with him. No, he's not. I'm with him. No, I'm not, right? So we need to learn to have a relationship with God that is consistent. Oh, God, that it feels really good to be close to you. I just sense you talking to me. And the next day, it may not be there, but that's all right. Can you trust that God is still there? So that's devotions. The second one is prayer. What is prayer? The definition of prayer is a reverent petition to God. It's kind of an okay definition. That's just a dictionary definition. Another definition that they give is the act of making a reverent petition to God or another object of worship. Now we would disagree with that, right? We wouldn't pray to another object of worship. The third one I like is the act of communicating with God, such as in devotion, confession, praise, and thanksgiving. So all of those can be a part of our prayer, and I think they should be, a time where we connect. Uh, We're giving devotion, we're giving him praise, we're giving him thanksgiving, maybe confession about something that happened yesterday, an attitude or whatever it is. A.B. Simpson says, prayer is the link that connects us to God. Prayer is the link that connects us to God. And I think we should uh, strengthen that link. Three things. Prayer is a time to make requests. Philippians 4.6 says, let your requests be made known. It's a time that we can bring things to God. But in our culture, the way, we're, <laughs> the way we have grown up, the way you're being trained in 2024 is an instant gratification culture. Prayer is not the Amazon of your Christian life. You do not have, I don't know, God Prime or whatever we want to call Amazon Prime. It is not the type of thing where I have this request and so I, 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 I come to you, God, and I search out what I want. And yeah, right here, this makes sense. And now I click on it, right? We have the one-click ordering or whatever on Amazon Prime. I Yep, I want that one, God, and it'd be nice two days if I could. I'll be patient for two days, but can you deliver it, right? And then when we get it, we look at it and, oh, no, God, I don't like that one after all. So free delivery, we send it, or free shipping, we send it back, right? Because I don't like what he sent. Prayer is not the Amazon of our Christian life. Sometimes it's hard. Sometimes I don't, I don't, I I know I have this problem, I don't even know the answer to it, Right? And then I, I don't know when the answer is going to come. I don't know what the answer is going to be. But can I be patient in my time of prayer and wait? Ask God for guidance. Ask for God's presence. Ask for his wisdom. You can always ask in the, ask those in faith knowing that he wants you to have those. He wants you to have his guidance. He wants to give you his guidance. He wants to give you his presence. He wants to give you wisdom. Number two, prayer is a a time of communication, a time to communicate um, joys, disappointments, dreams, questions, discouragements. Just like a good friend in your time of prayer. God, what do you think about this? What do you think I should do here? Oh, that was really discouraging last week, God. That's the kind of relationship we can have with God. He just wants to hear from us. It's a time for us to express our love and experience his love. And God always listens. He's always faithful in listening. He can always hear us. He's not the type that gets distracted. He's faithful to hear us when we pray. Prayer can happen anywhere. 1 Thessalonians 5.17 talks about pray without ceasing. What does that mean? Should we always be Repeating prayers in our mind. I don't think so, but we should have a mindset of prayer, where something when we're faced with something, my first inclination is to say, "Oh, I need to pray about this." Not only that, but I think we can we do well to learn sentence prayers. Often we and I'm okay with how we pray as a church. We we take a time and and we stand and one person prays and we listen to that prayer. But there are times, and, and I like to exercise this in, in, uh, when, there's a, when it's a group setting. And so you're, you're praying with six other men. And I like to sometimes just say, well, let's pray about this situation and let's use sentence prayers. Are you familiar with that concept? So what happens, we just go around and I say, God, Walter's facing something. Sorry, Walter, you're, I know your name, so I'm picking on you. You're in the front row. Walter's facing something here and, and he doesn't know how to go forward. And then he says, God, we've seen Walter be faithful to you before. Can you give him direction? And then somebody else says a sentence. So we're not ending the prayer, but we're just giving sentence prayers. And it it gives a feel of relationship with God where we're just talking to him. And I think we need to be careful not to lose the holiness of who God is. God is awesome. We're coming into his presence. Don't lose that. But let's not, let's not forget that God is also a personal God. He's both. He's a God of thunder, right? But he's a God who cares. And he's a God who wants to hear from us personally. A healthy relationship has dialogue. We both need to hear and speak in a relationship. You know, what if I decided after this weekend, I'm going to pursue, pursue my relationship with my friend Lowell? What if I decided, you gave me some good ideas, I'm going to text him every week. And so I text him, good day yesterday at church, you know, here's what I'm doing this week, send it off. Crickets for a week, right? I don't hear anything from him. What if I would ask him to visit again? What if I would inquire, like, we had so much fun at your place last summer. Would it be okay if we came back this summer? And what if he would say, man, we loved having you guys here. It was so much fun, but I don't think it's going to work this summer. Would I have a relationship with him? It's pretty obvious I wouldn't, Right? Do you think God ever feels like that about us? He's pursuing us. He'd like to have a relationship with us. He'd just like to hear from us. He just wishes it would be once a week. If I could just hear from my child once a week. If I could just hear what they're facing. If I would just know that they want to spend time with me. Rather than just getting a quick fix on the way to work, right? When they play their audio Bible. God loves us, and he wants us to return love to him. And a relationship with mutual desire can grow and succeed. God's going to be faithful in his part. Am I going to be faithful in my part in pursuing him? Revelation chapter 3, verse 20 says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come in and sup with him, and he with me. I'm going to come in if you open that door. You know, God is waiting. Have you opened that door? Are you opening that door? Are you going to choose to open that door? Let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you for this time together. Lord, thank you for these examples in scripture of faithful men. And I pray, Lord, that you would help us to be able to look at them and be encouraged. May we grow in our our uh, walk with you, give us, give us the strength, Lord, and the the uh, commitment to pursue you, Lord. Thank you for your never ending love, Lord. Thank you for the desire for connection that that you have for us, Lord. Thank you that you are that you are always faithful in that, Lord. Help us to uh, pursue you with our hearts, Lord. My desire is for each of these youth to to um, experience a changed life led by the Holy Spirit that has a personal relationship with you. We pray this in Christ's name, amen.